Welcome back to another edition of the Creative Imbalance Podcast. Thanks for checking this out again. On today's episode, we got my pal Eric Johnson. Uh, it's awesome to have him in here because he was the first guy to ever put me on stage to do comedy. Uh, it was a competition for first-timers. We get, we get into that. But Eric himself, he is an actor and comedian out of Stony Creek, Ontario. He wears a lot of different hats in the entertainment industry. He has his own production company called Bullwood Productions. And uh, we get in a wide variety of topics. And I think anybody who's pursuing life in the entertainment industry can get a lot out of this interview and his experience. And he's just such a workhorse, nonstop, all over the place. Like, uh, he's it's, it's crazy. Like, I'll turn on the TV. He's on YTV. We talk about that show. I go to the theater He's in a commercial opening, like he's he's everywhere, and it's uh, it's cool. He's like uh, one of those guys like you can't forget about, and I think that's what leads to a lot of his success. And it's cool, like uh, we without uh, spoiling too much of the episode, we talk a bit about of his production company and the origins of it, and uh, it comes from his father who has passed away, who was a well respected traveling pro wrestler, and. What's what's kind of cool about Eric's story, too, is all these different things he's been up to seem to connect in a certain way and form ty- a type of Voltron, Megazord type of thing. And that's uh, kind of inspiring to myself as well because you guys know me as the videographer. Uh, I do comedy and <laughs> I'm all over the place. I'm doing this podcast and uh, it just shows the importance of like throwing some irons and all these different coals and who knows what's going to catch. And yeah, before we get into the episode, I also want to thank all you guys. Uh, The last couple episodes, I've been getting a lot of great feedback and uh, yeah, I'm just saying, keep it up. And um, any questions you guys want to want to ask, you can hit me up on the Twitter or the Facebook page. Actually, the creative imbalance has a brand new Facebook page. I learned like one of the saddest things ever is starting a new facebook page <laughs> just uh looking at the very few people who like it like as uh i can tell more people are uh are downloading this on itunes or clicking on the actual girth radio website to listen to these episodes and it's just funny i'll i'll try to update the facebook page and it's like oh like it's, it's like six people who liked it <laughs> which <laughs> Which isn't the actual number of how many people listen to it, too. But it's just like, oh, I need to step it up a bit. So if you guys could give that a thumbs up, I would greatly appreciate that. And any questions you guys want to ask, I'll feature them on the show. And you guys can get your voice be heard or, like, even criticism, like hate mail. Uh, (laughs) I'll, I'll read it all. I just appreciate you guys listening to this and also the stories of all my guests coming through this. Um, it's, it's re- it's really cool. Like this is like one of my favorite things to do now besides the, the comedy and video, this feels more right than anything. And it's cool. Like the weeks ahead, I'm booked with guests, so we're not going to run out of content and yeah, we're going to keep this going and thanks again for listening. And we're going to get into this episode, Eric Johnson right now. Bam. <laughs> Thank you.
from Pacific Junction Hotel, Girth Radio in session. Oh yeah! Right now I'm with Eric Johnson, fucking actor, comedian, and also the man who first put me on stage. Yeah, gave you your first shot. Yeah, about four years ago. I yeah. fucking uh, Club Absinthe, Club Absinthe, Hamilton, Ontario. Yeah, we're in a show called So You Want to Be a Comic, which in theory now is a terrible idea for a show. <laughs> like, I'm glad I got to put a bunch of people up, and thank God it worked. But what the idea of the show was, I hosted it, and then I put up eight first-time comedians, yeah. and then I had a professional headliner. Now, in the comedy world, that's suicide. Like, you would think, because no one's good their first time. I mean, you're lucky if you do okay on mm-hmm. your first time, and you did great on your first time. You were one of the guys that made the show worth happening but you think about it now like i've been running shows for years i would never put eight first-time comics on a row <laughs> yeah but it, was, it worked because now, but... every first-time comic brought a certain number of friends and everyone was into it and it was a supportive environment and the show was actually amazing and it was great and everyone did well and pro headliner killed and, and then that was that but yeah, yeah i'm glad that that fucking actually changed my life even though like i didn't pursue comedy right after it like i i here and there i dabbled and just i don't know like gave me the the itch for it, and then we'll give you the itch, but it also gave you the okay. I've done it. It's like the first time you jump, you go on a roller coaster or jump off a cliff or whatever. You know what I mean? It's like okay, I did it that one time, and then you want to do it again and again and again and again. And I gave you that opportunity, and you've gone on to make your own career. And whether it's stand up or not, you're doing something in the entertainment industry. And I think the confidence will come from the fact that you have done stand up, and yeah. you can now do stand up. So yeah, for sure. And yeah. uh, speaking of, you got a show going on tonight. Too? Yeah, tonight I'm at Absolute Comedy. I'm on the the Pro Case, uh, which is really big step for me. I'm honored to be on the show. Um, it's a show only for, for professional comics, and uh, Frank Spadone and I are on the show. Frank's headlining. I'm opening for him at some point in the show. There's some other comics, local pros, and. You know, as much as I am a pro comic, and this is my job, this is my profession, that's what it means, pro. This is like, you know, I don't have another job. I'm an actor and I'm a comic, mm-hmm. and I, I stay afloat with my bookings, and my, I get paid to do comedy. But when you get put on a show that says this show is for pros only, it feels really, really good. It, it was amazing to have that, like, hey, you want to be on the pro case? And I'm like, you know, you just get recognition for something that yeah, you've been definitely. working at for Cause, so long because i don't see like or like a lot of people don't really know the grind of comedy unless you do it like all the fucking well, I was talking to, uh, dive bars yeah everything you do. well like last night i did one of the worst shows i've ever done really? however <laughs> um it's just an open mic that i know is not good but the love of doing it i had to do i had some new stuff i i broke up with my girlfriend and i was like okay what would a comic do in this? You know, I could sit at home and hate myself and whatever. What would a comic do? No, he would go on stage and talk about it. And I went to this open mic, and it was all comics there. Oh, that's there was <laughs> three, those are always painful ones. There was three audience members. Two of them were talking to each other, like oh, at the bar. The, before I went up, the guy was like, turn the TVs back on because these guys aren't any good. Holy fuck. <laughs> and all hurts. it's like just terrible. But then I went up, and I, I kind of... I just talked about what was going on in my life, and I was just open and honest. And these guys turned around, and the comics—the comics hear each other's jokes all at the same time. You know, they all know each other's act. But when yeah. someone's doing new material, I wasn't even really doing material. I was doing new life experience. Yeah, yeah. When a comic's doing that, all the comics perk up and they turn around, and it was kind of like a, in its own way, it was own therapy session. So you take something from it, and I go, I, I in one of the stories I was talking about, I was talking about. Um, 
dreams and your dreams of future and stuff versus literal dreams, like the dreams you have at night. Anyways, it's mm-hmm. this new premise that I was coming up with, and it hit so hard with everyone, the two guys who weren't listening, the bartenders, all the comics that I went, oh, okay, this is a bit. This is the, I have something here. This yeah. thing has legs. That's dope. Uh, so now I could take that and write on it and, yeah. and do well, you know, turn that into a bit. Especially but. probably because it's like something that's happening to you right now. You're up there and it's not like one of those bits where it seems like you're just going through yeah. the motions yeah, like yeah. it's actually it probably came out like really genuine and i and it was genuine and i get um uh, i get that the rules of you know you got to do the uh you got to do the bad ones you got to do the bad ones and i get that you do have to throw you know eat shit sometimes that makes mm-hmm. you a better comic but you don't have to do that every week like there's these comics who show up to the same open mics every week with the same material and eat shit <laughs> and, and they don't tweak it and it's not anything. even their fault there's no audience there's no setup half the people in the bar don't even know there's a comedy show happening they're there to just i even said i was talking to the guy I go listen dude i get it i get you're here just to disappear you want to have you had a long day you want to drink a couple beers and just not think about your wife for a couple hours yeah yeah i get that but I came here to let myself do some shit and get some stuff of my own. So I'm going to say it. You don't have to listen, but if you listen, it'd make me feel great. And the mm-hmm. guy's like, okay. Uncrosses his arms, turns around and looks over at me. And I start talking to him, you know, about breaking up and, and new stuff that I've been working on. And it's been, it, and that's the comic mind too. You know, you go through this terrible thing. It was the first girl that I ever was in love with. We dated for three years and then we broke up and it was just like, wow, you know, yeah, devastating. As devastating as it is, <laughs> the comic goes, "How can I better my act for this?" And I think that would make is what makes true comics. You know, yeah, that's a, that's a beautiful thing. It's yeah. like, I'm gonna start crying there. Yeah. No, <laughs> yeah. no, but that's how you know you know what you're doing. You know, a civilian, we call them when you're a comic or you're in the entertainment business at, at you know at, at any capacity. Mm-hmm. People on the street, we call them civilians. Like almost like we're like we're like mystery army like people but like fucking illuminati yeah but we're all you know pussies and we all you know whatever but <laughs> um civilians would go through a breakup and then just hate themselves and drink themselves to yeah, sleep maybe and, make a status about yeah it and, status about love you know yeah just, yeah just put up some vague lyrics from like fucking uh Circa Cranberries, eat cranberries. 91. Do a little Coheed and Cambria <laughs> lyric. <laughs> yeah. My if, heart that's if you're, you're edgy. And discard the evidence. <laughs> I, I broke up with a girl when I was 13 and I put a Coheed and Cambria lyric up. Um, <laughs> was that in an ICQ status? It was, uh, no, it was MSN. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was, in my, uh, it was my thing underneath my name. Cut my heart in half. Cut my heart in half and discard the evidence. <laughs> <laughs> and then I put a My Chemical Romance thing up of i'm not okay you, I'm not you got to <laughs> that's amazing that's but, how you get through that stuff but that but you know as an adult you go through terrible things and an entertainer goes what can i you know what can i make this into better my career and make a better joke and relate to people in the world which is what i do that's my job you know my job is to relate and and you know yeah. Just that's you know whatever that's my yeah. job. One thing about you that always inspires me is like I notice you're always moving, whether it's like comedy or yeah. like just audition. Like you just came from an audition, you jump in here. Yeah. After this, you're doing a show. Yeah. And, then, and um, I actually did- like yeah, just the other week I'm sitting in a fucking theater, barely paying attention because it's like the ads or whatever. Like I hear like kudo or whatever. There's a announcer. I'm fucking deep in my nachos. And I look up, like, out of the corner of my eye, I'm just like, 
do I know that guy? I'm like, <laughs> it's fucking Eric. <laughs> I tried to pull up my I'm phone and take a picture, yeah, but but late. but at the same time in my brain, I'm like, of course, like I see your work ethic and everything. yeah, you know what? And I I think it's I, I I hustle, man, and I and there's no excuse to not hustle. I think you uh, there's too many guys out there, and I'm not there's no one in particular I'm thinking of right now, but there is a lot of them. Where they just sit around and they wait for the phone to ring and they wait for the opportunities to come to them. And sometimes you get lucky and a great opportunity can come your way. But 99.9999% of the time, it's not going to come. Your phone's not going to ring. Yeah. Uh, I hustle. I book all my – like I have a booking agent. I have an agent. But I book 90% of my own shows because I can't just sit around. Like the the shows that my agent books me are great. They're huge shows, sold out shows in Sudbury theaters and stuff like that. But I cannot sit at home. I just cannot sit down and wait. I'm gonna go out and take it from 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 the world. Um, and people see that and they go, "Oh, this guy is cocky, or this guy's got an ego, or whatever." And I think, to some degree, everyone has an ego, and everyone has. But I believe in my brand. My like, I I am an entrepreneur, but I the product I sell is myself. Yeah, I have to go out there continuously every day and sell myself, and it keeps you fresh in everybody's mind too, because they see you everywhere. And they, well, exactly. When they when they need somebody, they're like, "Oh, Eric can do this," because yeah. they've seen you recently, and yeah, I think that's and, very important. And it's just like anything, like those, like that. You just you mentioned that Kudo commercial I did. You know, I've been an actor since I was six years old. I've been a professional film and television actor since I was eighteen. I'm twenty five now, so let's add seven years onto that. Mm-hmm. Been a theater actor since I was ten. I've been a you know a musical theater and all kinds of stuff um, since I was six. I've been doing this my whole life. And I was talking to Jason Rouse the other day. He said, "Dude, it takes ten years to make an overnight success." He's like, "Some of these guys are all oh, these overnight successes. They've been at it for ten years. I've been at it for nineteen if you count my entire run as being a six-year-old going on to now. Yeah. 19 years old of, like, hustling. Even when I was a kid, I was hustling. Like, I was auditioning for plays and stuff when I was, like, eight. <laughs> That's badass. I did. And when I was in high school, I went to an arts high school in Stony Creek near Hamilton called Cardinal Newman. Now, it wasn't necessarily a certified arts school, but the, the drama teacher came from, like, a huge drama background. So she did four major productions a year, where some schools do one play every two years. Yeah, so that's probably conditioned you. Exactly, she did four a year, so there was it would never stop. I would do, I did all four every four year, all four years of high school. So what's that? (laughs) Twenty twenty plays, four, eight, twelve, sixteen, sixteen plays. Um, I did sixteen plays over four years, and they were like a couple months run. So like one would stop, you'd tear down the set, start another one, tear down the set, start another one, and just like the, there was no there was no sports after school. I would stay at school, you know, go to school, have a regular school day, and then from two forty five to nine fifteen, I'd be in the theater just working, like rehearsing and working on lines and stuff. And it's trained me to just pick up stuff like crazy. Like if I have an audition, it could be like four or five pages of lines. They'll send it to me the night before and I'll have it 100% down by the next morning because I'm conditioned like that. That's my life. And and I've been to, I've been to so many auditions. Like that I I've done probably five or six major commercials in the last couple 5 6 years. Yeah, yeah. But I'm at auditions like two, three, four a week every week all year. Like I just left one and it went great. But I'll probably not get it. I mean, just unruly, the mathematics of it, I probably won't get it. There's so many guys in Toronto who show up to these auditions. They look just like me. They're as good as me, if not better. You know, um, 
It's just a numbers game. Like it's just showing yeah, up, showing up, definitely. showing up. That's a good thing uh, for people to hear who are aspiring to be like an actor or whatever. Because I know like some people they they have the talent and everything, but they don't go out that much. Yeah, and. Like once in a while they'll get a call or whatever, but at the same time they're like wondering, oh, why am nobody calling me? It's like, like you said, the numbers game. No like, one's calling you. Yeah, you got to keep fucking yeah. hammering yourself out like there. It's and- just going and going and going and not. And I, I don't slow down. Like I don't want to slow down. I'm not going to slow down ever. Like yeah. I'll, it'll kill me before I stop. <laughs> yeah. Period. I said it to someone the other day. I'm like, I will probably die on the road between. Sudbury and Sault Ste. Marie in a snowstorm going from gig to gig. And I'm happy about that. Like, I want to let this kill me. Like, it's crazy. I will not stop. Like, there is no stop. There is no... I've sacrificed so much health and this relationship was all based on... The breakup was based on the fact that I was focusing more on this than I was on her. and, Mm -hmm. And I just go, yeah, it's selfish and it's terrible and I love you, but... If you can't come on this journey with me, then just I'll free you from it. Like it was like, okay, go yeah, ahead, you're yeah. free. Go. Like I, if you want marriage and financial security and all that kind of stuff, I want to give that to you, but not right now. Yeah, like maybe this in is, ten this years. Right now, yeah, man. when I'm established. Like you talk to these comics and they, you got to picture it. Like as as terrible as it, sa- it sounds for as a Canadian, especially Canadians are very polite. They don't want to say, you know, when I'm famous or when I'm big or when I make it. Mm-hmm. But I say those things, and it's not from ego. It's because I truly believe it, and I will not stop until yeah. it happens. Yeah, you can put your life But if you it, talk man. to people like Kevin Hart and Bill Burr and Russell Peters and stuff, they have the same attitudes and had the same attitudes of, you know, I'm not going to stop until it's till I made it, you know. And some of them get lucky. I mean, Russell Peters, his YouTube thing went viral, but then he had the comedy, you know, he had the comedy and the hustle and the 10 years, 15 years of work to back it up. Yeah. So it doesn't become a 15 minutes of fame. It's like he gets in the spotlight and then he stays, he he grabs it. He can sustain it because he's got talent and he's got raw talent, but he also worked on it for years. All these comics work on it for years. And again, I had, uh, I did a show last week with Jason Rouse who lives in Los Angeles Mm-hmm. And he's a, from Stony Creek, grew up, chased his dreams, got the hell out of Stony Creek, moved to Vancouver, from Vancouver, moved to L.A. He's traveled the world, conquered the world. Now he's trying to blow up in America. However, he's like a very dark comic. I don't yeah, know if you're familiar with Jason Rose. I'm very familiar yeah. with him. And, uh, he's, like, he's not for everybody. No. I personally like him, but at the same time, he's not like a comic where you can be like, oh, hey, Grandma, check this yeah, guy exactly. out. He's and, not. He has zero commercial appeal, yeah, and yeah. he's still killing it. Um, and he said to me, he said, listen, you're a relatively clean comic. You're a young guy. You're good looking, like all that kind of stuff. And I was like, thanks. Uh, but he said, a guy like you should be your, your, your trajectory to what you want. You should be thinking private jets. He's like, cause generally people achieve about half their goals. Yeah. So if you think private jets, you're going to do well. You'll you at know? least get a helicopter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's just like. I, I see no reason. There's no excuses. I never wanted any situation for where the answer, if anyone asked me a question about my career, the answer couldn't be no. If I, Do you have a resume? Yes. Do you have headshots? Yes. Do you have business cards? Yes. Do you have a website? Yes. Do you have a demo tape? Yes. Do you have a stand-up demo tape? Yes. Do you have a stand-up special? Yes. Do you have commercial? Do you have a TV show under your belt? Yes. Do you have national commercials under your belt? Yes. I will not say no to anything. And if I, if something comes up where... They want something and I don't have it. I'm literally working on it the next morning. Oh, that's beautiful. Um, 
God, it's just motivation. It's just love. And it doesn't come from ego and wanting to be famous. I don't want to be famous. I want to be successful. Fame will come from that. Like, even on a local level, I live in Hamilton, and everywhere I go, someone knows me. Where, I saw you do this, or I saw you at Yuck Yucks, or I saw your commercial, I saw your TV show. And it feels great, and that's thanks for the recognition, but I'm not doing this for the for the fame. I'm doing this because I love to do it. Yeah. It's a raw thing that I was born into me. You know, it's and I cannot deny it. That's beautiful. You are getting me fired up right. I want to go home and just start working on shit. But uh dude, do you want another drink? Sure. Yeah, sure. yeah we'll take a pause for the cause. Pause and for uh, the cause. you like the Deftones, right? Yeah, love Okay, Deftones. we're gonna cut to one of their new songs. Yes. Girth Radio.
mentioned your brand, and mm-hmm. I know a little bit of the history of it, but for the people, like I th- think it's like really interesting. Uh, the bullwhip. Yeah, uh, so that's my basically bullwhip is a name for all my bullshit. Really, like I, I, my brand of of myself is is Eric Johnson or my Eric Johnston who would be all my Instagram and Twitter and and website and stuff because kind of ironic like you know it would be eric johnson who like who is he yeah and then hopefully someday it becomes ironic of you know that i'm big enough that it's whatever anyways so that's that's me the actor the comedian the mc the writer all that kind of stuff but when i produce shows it's called bullwhip productions now bullwhip productions is based off my dad's name and my dad was a professional wrestler canadian professional wrestler named bullwhip johnson and he was in the canadian wrestling hall of fame and he wrestled in the wcw for a bit wrestled all over japan and trinidad and tobago and traveled the world lived in every state of the united states moved to california when he was 22 uh yeah. traveled hustled the like the world the world now you know when you're a kid your dad is this major superstar but as i get older i realized he was he was a working wrestler. He was no Hulk Hogan or whatever, and and he, but he's so well respected um, in the wrestling community as one of those guys who was not only hustling for himself but hustled for his own shows. He promoted a bunch of shows and all kind of stuff. So, my dad passed away in two thousand three, uh, which was obviously terrible. I was thirteen at the time. He actually died nine days after my thirteenth birthday. Oh wow! Um, and it was it was it was tough. It was definitely tough as a kid. Um, and was my, it was it due to like that life of being well, a wrestler? Because I, I always hear. I about, was going like, to say I can explain it very briefly. He died. He was an alcoholic. He died oh, okay. from liver and kidney failure. However, I now that I've gotten older and I've spoken to my family doctor about this, kind of was like, what, what was what was going on there? What was really going on there? And my doctor said that you know he's he was my dad's doctor. He said, listen, your dad didn't drink. More than any other guy in his 40s, you know, when he said mm-hmm. alcoholic, he would go out and drink weekends, sometimes during the week and stuff and whatever. But his body was so beat up, like not only like outside, like bruises and bones and stuff, but inside internally from taking so many bumps for so many years that his liver, his kidneys, his stomach, his intestines just couldn't take it anymore. Like yeah. it's not natural to to fall 10 feet onto your back you know, four times a week for 20 years, you know, definitely exactly. So his body just couldn't handle it. And like so, those rings, uh, everybody thinks it's like a mattress. It's not, it's not, um, it's wood, <laughs> wooden with a very small piece. I had of an experience. Uh, I used to, uh, work at a restaurant with a professional wrestler. Uh, he went by the name is Lazarus. Shout out to Jamie Laszlo. But he was uh, one of the cooks, and I was just like a young like uh, bus boy, obsessed with wrestling. It was the 90s fucking. Yeah. It was Austin Rock or whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, I want to do that. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, come out. I, I never forget the first day they were like, had me in the ring and they're like, okay, this is how you take a proper bump. And like you see them do it like a, th- a hundred times in a match yeah, or whatever. Yeah. I did it, and it just felt like a whole fucking shock down my body. Yeah. Like my, it felt like my spine moved. Yeah. <laughs> like, and like you guys do that all night, and and they're like, yeah, this is considered like one of the softer rings too. You yeah, know, fucking WF, yeah, or, which is WE now. Yeah, but yeah, like your father, like doing that for all years, the time. For and you said years. he's like a working man. Yeah, like, like he was a big guy, he was six four, two hundred sixty pounds, like just a huge like mountain of a man, but like gentle giant, like 
And I get it. Like, I get where the habits come from, especially with these wrestlers and stuff. Thank God my dad wasn't addicted to drugs and painkillers like most of these wrestlers yeah, are. Yeah. Uh, he just liked to drink. And I get it because now as a comic, I go on the road and I go out and do shows and, you know, not only just Toronto and Hamilton, Niagara Falls, St. Catharines, Sudbury and, you know, up north and down south. I was down in Nashville and Atlanta and Florida. And I get it when you're an entertainer in a small town or in any size town, the second that you get off stage, someone's like, can I get you a drink? I really liked your stuff. Well, let me buy you a drink, man. I'll do I'll buy you a drink. Yeah, we'll do whatever. Drink, you, want some, drink. you want Coke? You want weed? You're the best, man. I thought you were hilarious. Or with my dad's case, I thought you were a great wrestler or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so he had that. And plus, after the show, you're so you're so charged up. I know as a comic, and I can imagine as a wrestler, you're still charged up. Your dopamine's flowing. You want to chase that feeling. So what are you going to do? Let's have a couple drinks. You want to party? Whatever. Next thing you know, you find yourself back in a hotel in in wherever cam loops yeah and you're in a hotel by yourself and you're like well what the hell am i gonna do now first thing you do you go to the local beer store or whatever liquor store you grab a six-pack what else are you gonna do you're gonna hang out by yourself and just be with your thoughts probably not just kind of keep it going exactly so you keep the party going and whatever so when my dad's career ended probably about 97 98 99 max was like really last time he was really wrestling uh all he had left was that party and that feeling and that he would go to he would go to gatherings or these now he would go to these signings these autograph signings for wrestlers and stuff and again same thing what can i get you can i get get you a beer would you you know come hang out we'll go back to the hotel we'll have a couple drinks and he's in buffalo and and whatever Mm -hmm. but the difference is now he's in his late 40s and his body just couldn't do it anymore. Like, he stopped wrestling in 99, and he was dead by 2003. So for about four years of him being a, an alcoholic, well, that was it. You know, and, 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 and I the crazy part is, is, you know, he was a wrestler, but he never raised, he never even raised his voice to me, never mind his hand to me, my mom, my sister. We were so lucky. He was just this big gentle giant because you hear these terrible stories about wrestlers yeah who like, think the wrestling matches now in their living room and beat the shit out of their wives they become and, the character yeah exactly we were so lucky that we didn't have any yeah. of that also i think some people take like aggressive art forms like that as their release like it can go either way where exactly. they become the thing yeah or it's like okay i'm done like i was in the ring i was pretending yeah. to be this fucking badass beating the shit out of people and then i go home to my family i'm like oh i'm yeah. all relaxed <laughs> i actually find that like when i interview a lot of like fucking metal bands like yeah there'd be there's this one band i uh i interviewed uh the other year they're they're called dark tranquility and they're from like fucking sweden just okay. like <laughs> i can already picture it, but it yeah. sound, like their music sounds like you're in hell mm-hmm. and i was i was so nervous to like interview them but then you uh you listen to the recording, and it's just the sweetest, soft-spoken yeah. guy. So if we are coming to this country yeah, to yeah. Uh, make better He's music. Like, I really appreciate you listening <laughs> to me. And, but that could be like the thing yeah, where he's, the release. He, yeah. he goes out in the ring. He's fucking beating the shit out of people. And, oh, yeah, I'm good. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. And he was a great worker and re- so well-respected. So the thing what it was is because we were so lucky, you know, with with him and who he was and how he was just a great great guy. I I obviously love him, but I respect him so much and so many guys do. So when he died, obviously it's traumatic, but 
my idea was, you know, what can I do to keep this guy's name alive and alive in the city, but alive in, in me. And he lives in me, in my heart and in my, you know, my brain and stuff. But what can I do as what I, with what I do now to create, to keep his name alive and bring him on the road with me and all that kind of stuff. And so I started Bullwhip Productions. Now Bullwhip Productions is all the kind of stuff that I run. Like the show is like, you know, the, so you want to be a comic show where we first met. Or I run a show called Comedy in the Creek, which I've been doing for three years. And it's the best show in Hamilton. Sells out all the time. And great lineup, guys from Just for Laughs. And the can Pay Comedy Festival. And it's just been so amazing. And that's a, that's a bullwhip production. Now, I also found his original uh, T-shirts. He had shirts that he would sell when he would go on the road. Oh, dope. I found the original, like, Pressing like the press, like to press it into the into oh, is, the and is that the logo of the exactly? Oh, so that's okay. not only that's the cool. logo, that. but then I I took that and and made the shirts again. I started off, I made about twenty, then I made about fifty. Then people started wearing them around town and asking about them. And not only is it a great story, but it's a cool looking shirt. Mm-hmm. It's him with holding his 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 whip, and he's got he looks like a cowboy, and it says bull whip across. Um, but you know, I started doing with these shirts and they started going around. People started wearing them. People started messaging me from like across Canada. Where can I get these shirts? Where can I get these shirts? Because yeah, they probably remember him. Well, from not only, like yeah, from being day. on the road with him, but seeing him and seeing him in places like Calgary and stuff. And next thing you know, it's, I'm printing 100. Now I'm printing 500. Now it's like people are going, people are wearing them all over the world. Now I wear them at, when I go on the road. So when I, I, I was in, um, I was in Nashville. No, I was driving between Atlanta and Nashville. And in between um, in between Atlanta and Nashville is a place called Chattanooga, Tennessee. Uh, now, that's a song where Alan Jackson, uh, way down you in a Chattanooga, whatever. So my dad spent a lot of time in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And it actually was his original, his which he came up with the idea to be this this cowboy wrestler because he saw all these like cowboys and some of the best times he had in his life were in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Oh, okay. So I'm traveling. I'm doing a show in Atlanta at the Laughing Skull Lounge and then I was going to Nashville to do another show and I stopped in Chattanooga, Tennessee and I put a, a bullwhip sticker on the Welcome to Chattanooga sign and I took a picture in front of the sign wearing the t-shirt and I said, you know, Bullwhip doesn't travel around these parts anymore, but he travels with me and on me and on my body. And it's and, and I took that picture, and it meant so much to me for me as an entertainer to follow the same path that he was on, different venue. You know, he was a wrestler, I'm a comic, but now I'm getting to travel the country in North America and go to these places, the exact places that he was chasing his dreams. So it just it's fuel for the fire, and it keeps me so motivated, and the hustle goes so much more into overdrive. And That's fucking dope. Yeah, like, like I I knew it came from your dad as the wrestler, but I didn't know like the whole philosophy behind yeah. it. And it also makes sense. Like uh, you were saying, like how much he worked on the road and everything, and I see that in you, like yeah. how you take your career as a comedian and an actor it's a it's a job it's a job like it's show business for a reason like you hear the quotes all the time it's it's not show business it's business show that's reality of it it's a business and the shows are the reward to the work you put in these guys put some of these guys put no work in and expect all these shows to happen and be this overnight success and 
and I'm going to probably hustle. Like, I've been in the game for about six years of, of being a professional stand-up. I've been in the acting game for seven, eight, you know, film and television. I've been doing this for a long time. It's going to be a lot more time, but I'm okay with that. Like, I... I'm down to I'm I'm on a wave right now and it's great and it's you know sometimes there's hard times sometimes I'm broke I don't know how I'm going to come up with the money to uh, pay my car payment or my car insurance or my cell phone bill but Wait, then other you, times you figure it out though right exactly yeah. and it's always that the universe already works out that way like you know I'm like okay I got a I got a car payment coming out for 177 bucks on Monday I've got about six bucks in my bank account how am I going to make this work. And then I get a call from someone saying, hey, can you come and see my event? I'll give you 175 bucks. It's like, perfect. perfect. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll be there. I'll take the 175 But then it's gone. Then I'm back to zero. And it's like, it's scary. It's terrifying. And I can get what my girlfriend, you know, my ex-girlfriend didn't want to put up with it anymore. It's a scary life. It's, mm-hmm. it's, there's no financial security. There's nothing. You know, but sometimes I'll show up to these events where I'm expecting to make no money. And the guy will hand me $1,000 cash. Oh, beautiful. He'll be like, you're great. You, thanks for coming to my event. And I'm sure you have like opposite times where it's like oh, somebody somebody promises you something and then and they, they go, go, "Oh, sorry, we couldn't pay you, but it's open bar. We can get you some chicken wings." You know, yeah. and I'm like, "All right, I'll take it." But <laughs> you know, that's the reality Fuck. of it. And it's, but that's you know, that's the dream. Like these commercials I do sometimes, you know, it takes a long time to do them, but then you get paid like a couple thousand bucks to be on screen for. 30 seconds mm-hmm. but then i pay off i get that couple thousand bucks pay off all my bills that i've been racking up for cell phone <laughs> yeah. and you answer the calls yeah. you've been ignoring yeah, exactly <laughs> hey it's eric sorry i couldn't get back to you yeah i got that 500 bucks i owe you and then, but I always life, make, yeah i always make sure i hate owing people money mm-hmm. i can owe bell money no problem i'm okay with that i hate and i can owe the bank money but if for some reason i'm in someone's pocket for a couple hundred bucks they're always the first person i pay back and then Bill threatens to cut off my phone, and then I'll pay them back. <laughs> yeah, it's like oh, I guess you got me now. But yeah, it's like, but you know what? That's that's, and I'm lucky. My mom still lets me live at home. I've moved out. I've moved out three separate times. I moved to Toronto twice. I moved to Vancouver and back. Um, you know, it's just I always end up back at home with open yeah. arms. And like some people would rag on that, but it's for what you're doing right now. It's it's good that you have that option. Well, exactly. Especially since you're in a building. Of your brand part, I like, yeah. I feel like that's an awesome, that's a smart move to do if you can. Yeah, because like, and some, I'm okay with it. I'm 25 yeah. years old. And I live at home. That's fine. I could be okay with that. Yeah. And my sister didn't move out till she was 27, so I got at least two years before the real chirps start coming in. But you know, it is tough sometimes. And, I, and my mom, you know, as much as she is supportive, she'll have those days. We're like, maybe you should just get a real fucking job, you know. But then I take that, and it's terrible. We get in huge fights about money and financial security, not only with my girlfriend but with my mom. Yeah. And then I turn that into a bit, and I've got a new bit about my Irish Catholic mom who has a couple rides. <laughs> then you turn it into money. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Go, Thanks for the inspiration. Now yeah. I got a, I got a new five minutes. <laughs> but that just goes back to what you're talking about. You take the terrible times for your life. There's a documentary out called Misery Loves Comedy, uh, which actually Kevin Pollock is in, uh, who I might see later today. But he, um, and a lot of the comics say that you know, as terrible as it is, as hard times there are. You know, in life with breakups and, and, and fighting and, and, you know, car accidents and drug overdoses. There's terrible things that happen in life. But a comic can always write something about it. You know, a lot of comics, you know. It's I almost that, can turn into your release. Too. I was going to say, I think there's a new there was a line in it about, you know, 9-11 was probably one of the worst things to happen in our, our generation. But there's probably a bunch of comics that had a new five minutes that night. <laughs> yeah. You know, they obviously didn't do it. But that's how the comic thinks. This is terrible, but how can I relate this to the world and how can I 
spin this into a positive and that's what I do as my job you know and that's but it doesn't feel like work because I love to do it it's very strange it's like it's you know it's it's almost like a thing like that you have to do it to understand it and like I like you said with that 9-11 shit too like me getting back into the comedy mode like I'm doing like all these open mics too it's like my brain conditions to think like that like yeah. when I see anything like <laughs> That's a tragedy or whatever, and yeah. it's not even on purpose now. It's just because you spend so much time writing or whatever. That just becomes a part of you. Yeah. And it's the comic's eye, the third eye of the comic, that, or the, any entertainer, especially comics, where they can ha- be in a situation and think, okay, this is terrible. But there's also a third eye, you know, taking notes and, and <laughs> yeah. thinking about what's going to be funny <laughs> from this. And, you know, there's been fights that I had with my girlfriend and with my mom or whatever where in the moment it's so bad. And you're present in the moment of fighting or, you know, throwing dishes around or whatever. But there's a, a third eye that's going, okay, that's funny, that's funny. She said that, that's funny. And then maybe like three days later it just hits you and you're like, oh, Okay. <laughs> yeah. there's a punchline yeah, right there. there and then you go on stage and you do it and then you discover that people agree with it and people live that life too and the more you realize the more you do comedy and the more you experience life the more you realize that everyone's all connected like we all we're all doing the same shit everything's yeah. going everything everyone's doing a, a variation of exactly what you're doing you know and people that's the thing like sometimes i'll think i'll put a what i usually my process is sometimes i'll put if i have an idea or a premise for a joke i'll make it into a facebook status and put it up as like a Mm one-liner uh and see if it has enough you know legs i go okay enough people care about this and then it's like then i can write a whole bit the whole bit exactly oh cool but sometimes i'm like this is no one's gonna get this like there's no way this up this reference or this thing that happened in my life is so obscure there's no way that anyone's gonna like it but i'm like you know what let's throw it up see what happens and it gets like a hundred likes yeah and i'm like holy shit this is something but there's also been other times where i'm like this is gonna kill everyone's gonna (laughs) like this does it doesn't even break 10 i'm like all right maybe not dude i I do the same shit which is hilarious but uh like sometimes like i find like the funniest things it's almost like uh i'm not thinking about it being a bit yeah it's just like in the moment like a genuine like little comment and then it turns into a bit and then i see my my buddies come to see me at a show and i'm like part of me feels bad i'm like just for one sentence i'm like they already heard this before but then it turns but it turns into like a giant bit like which is i've always learned you sacrifice one for them for the many you know if you have a friend in the audience or you have someone in the audience you think oh they've heard this there's 90 percent of the other people who haven't heard it haven't seen any of it that's very true yeah you sacrifice that's like sometimes with comedy in the creek I do this show every month, last Tuesday of every month. And mm-hmm. I'll tell you, I don't have new material every month. I do a lot of repeat material. But I'm also working on the material and I'm shopping around and jokes are changing and getting better. I know that there's probably 20 or 30 people there who have heard a lot of this shit before. But I also know there's about 70, 80 people who haven't. So you sacrifice the 30 for the greater. And the the 30 who have heard it... They are excited to see what I've changed in it or what's new about it. And I bring, even when I know I'm doing material that I've done before, I bring new energy to it every time. And that just comes from the love of doing it. You know, that's, I love to be on stage telling jokes and the audience picks up on it and respects it. I'm not doing it. And I think that's why I've, I've done well or I've done better. Um, because as much as it seems ego driven, people then see me perform and they go, 
oh no, he just loves this. Yeah. He just loves to and do And even this. when I feel like when I'm personally writing to, I'm thinking of the other people, how they're going to react. Like, it seems like comedy's an egotistical thing. Like, you go up there and like, hey, look at me, guys. It's, it's the most egotistical thing. Yeah. But there's there's a major part of it within, I don't know, with every comic, but within myself when I'm doing it, I'm like really hoping and plotting for people to have a good time you yeah know? and that's just that's uh, you're a guy that just likes everyone to have a good time like I yeah can see yeah that. you can see true. that in yeah. you you can see you're the guy at, at the party making sure everyone's having a good time you know um you know it is an ego thing you know the, the, mm-hmm. the comics mind is am i good do you like me am i good is this co- joke doing well and do you like me now that's fine, and that's how people think, and that's how that's that's your ego talking. But also, it comes from me where I I just I love to do it, and I I can't tell you how many times in my life people have met me who have never met me before, and go, oh man, I thought you were an asshole. You're a really great guy, and it, you know because they see the they see the the work. Yeah. They see the hustle, and they and some people can look at it and go, "This guy's an egotistical ass, asshole who just wants it wants to be famous so everyone knows his name." No, I don't necessarily want to be famous. I want to be successful, and I only want to do that so I have more opportunities to get on stage and perform and do what I love. And when I'm on stage, I believe that that oozes out of me the, the love for performance. And I'm smiling when I get on stage. I'm smiling when I'm on stage. I'm smiling when I get off stage. Um, you know, I just love to perform. I love it. I, I cannot describe it as anything else. I love to be on stage. And not only just on stage performing, but, you know, acting and going to an audition, doing well at an audition, or uh, getting on set, or making the director laugh when you're on set. Like, I made when I did that Kudo commercial, I was making the director laugh like crazy. Half the stuff got cut out because yeah. I was making references and stuff. I was, I was playing... The video games and I was saying all this stuff as oh, if really? I was yeah. chirping my buddies. Oh, cool, cool. And uh, they had to cut it all out, so it then became a silent on camera role because I guess it was like Robin Williams when he does too many references. They're like, "Oh, we have to pay for this. We have to pay for this." You know? <laughs> um, but at the same time, I think like uh, maybe like as them casting you, it's almost like better to have like too much. Yeah, than not enough, and they're like poking I, at an actor. Like, I believe hey, that. give us more, give us more. I do or believe they that. had too much, and they're like, okay, we can just chop this. I'm gonna say I believe that. I yeah. always go into an audition bigger than I should be because you can always turn down. It's hard to turn up. <laughs> as funny as that sounds, turn up, turn what? up, yeah, <laughs> turn up. Um, but it is. It's hard. It's it's easier to to do less than it is to do more because you can walk in and do more or do less, and the director will be like, yeah, okay, thanks. And move on. But if you walk in and you do too much, they go, okay, that was good. That was great, great, great. But just bring it down. Like, you're at a, like a, a nine right now. We need it at like a six. <laughs> and I go, okay. And then I do it at a six, and then I get the part. You know what I mean? I get that second opportunity. I, I know I always act too much. I overact in the situation. Um, but I know that this leads to me being, you know, accepted and, and, and given a second chance because you only really have one chance. In the room to impress. Yeah. First impressions are, I go basically. I call it doing a job interview. People go to job interviews maybe two, three times in their life. Civilians go, they get a big job and they work for the rest of their life. I go to job interviews four times a week for my whole life. You know, I, I, you walk in, hi, my name is Eric. Never ends. What do you got? First impressions. You know, whatever. Um, so I 
create that first impression and I've learned the tricks how to create first impressions and ask how they're doing, you know, it's not, and not be nervous and stuff. Now it's just like me hanging out. Now I know all these casting directors. I know all these ca- camera operators. Yeah. What up? I walk me again? In, yeah. I'm like, what's up dude? They're like, oh, Hey Eric, how's it going? They're like, that oh, was crazy. That spot you did last week. Sorry. You didn't get it. You were hilarious or whatever. Yeah. I have that kind of relationship with these guys now. So it's even another degree of comfortability. Um, but again, it just comes from the love to do it. Like I'm laughing and I'm smiling in every audition. I'm laughing and I'm smiling when I'm emceeing events and even just even doing stuff like this. I'm having an awesome time because, you know, as much as again, it's ego. I've been talking about myself for an hour. (laughs) I will be talking about myself for a little bit more. But it's in order for me to express to people how much I love to do this. This is what I do, you know, and I'm sure there's people who have live a life that are accountants yeah, and they love and, it I'm and, sure there's not many but and i also find like uh like the people like i've been getting feedback about the show they are like living a life where they're jumping into a creative field it might not necessarily be comedy or whatever but they can take things out of this whether yeah. you're a fucking musician or a designer or whatever like just like your whole worth ethic of just like fucking getting out there and just doing it and perfecting yourself I just, and yeah. there's power in that man I want to inspire I want to inspire to know that you can chase dreams but it does take a lot of fucking work yeah like I'm gonna be like I live in Hamilton I'm gonna be in Toronto today for 13 hours mm-hmm. I left I went to this audition I'm doing this I'm then I'm going to Sirius XM might be on another show there gonna whatever hang out I, I packed a salad to eat in my car so i could eat something <laughs> and we'll feed you here yeah, well, you feed me here that's good girth radio, girth radio. shout out <laughs> shout out to girth radio <laughs> i'm getting the nachos um yeah. but you know then i gotta go to absolute comedy not gotta i want to go to absolute comedy i'm on the pro case tonight yeah. gonna hang out there i'm gonna do my set i'm gonna shoot the shit shake hands have a great time then i gotta drive home i probably won't be home probably till 1 a.m i left the house at 11 so no i left the house at 10 30 yeah so that's oh, a lot of hours. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's an over twelve-hour yeah, workday. Exactly, but that's that's work. Mm-hmm. So when you think, oh, I should just get a part-time job, where am I going to slide a part-time job into a day like today? And the reality is, a lot of days are like today, you know. Or yeah, but even today, like this was a situation where I knew I had this audition. I knew it was that absolute, and I said, "Who wants to kill seven hours?" And, and you messaged me, guy from Sirius XM messaged me, uh, you know, people, let's go for lunch, let's go for a coffee. Because they want to have these conversations with me, even if they're not in the in the in the industry of entertainment. And I used to get in shit from my girlfriend uh, when we'd go to parties, and she'd go like, "Oh, all you did was talk about yourself the whole time to those groups of guys." Or the because all the girls would go shoot the shit in the kitchen. All the guys would sit on the couch. These little like you know want to be adult parties. Yeah, want to be. <laughs> but these fucking dudes are so bored with their lives. They're all. You know, in in school or accountants or bankers or they're civilians. These guys are civilians, like I was describing before. Mm-hmm. All they want to do is talk to a guy like me about what I do. Yeah, they so I, get end, excited, I end up doing these interviews all the time, trying to motivate people. Like, dude, no, if you want to do something, do it. You're 27. It's not too late. Like, I'm I'm 25. Like, I'm doing all this and I'm 25. I can see if I was 45 and still hustling the way I am. I mean, I probably will be still. <laughs> but that has a different tone than 25, mm-hmm. you know. Mid-20s is the time to fuck up. The time to, you know, 
have your heart broken. It's a time to travel the world for no fucking just, money. Just go for it. This is it. This is my shot. And, you know, maybe because my dad died young and his dad died young, I have this weird concept where I go, I'm going to run out of time. Yeah. You know, who knows? I might live to be 110, but also well, you could be dead tomorrow. You don't know. And I just want to know that I fucking hustled my ass off while I was here, mm-hmm. you know, while I was working. You know, my dad's died. My dad's dad died at 59. My dad died at 49. You know, if I live to 39. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. If I live to 39, <laughs> I'll know I hustled for 39 yeah. fucking years. And that's the reality of it. You know, I, I'm not going to stop until it kills me. Yeah. So, anyways. Big cheers. I don't know that, if that's yeah. a cheers. I don't know if I'm that's a cheers. commercial break or whatever that yeah. is. <laughs> Live from the center of the earth, girth. Asking myself the same old questions, <laughs> but it's like Why? the only answers that I can find are the same old questions. Why? Like, why do I keep banging my head up against this brick wall? Like, why do I keep banging my head up against this brick wall? Let me tell you a story. Let me tell you about a friend. His story's not about a junkie who couldn't afford the riches and all the money. Who couldn't be told he wouldn't amount to nothing. Wise about a man who wouldn't give up his luxuries. Gone with the wind puffing on his Humphreys. Would've baked a cake if he knew you were coming. What he always thought and what he can achieve all happened. For the age of 23, he gave it all up. For a beanstalk, he could never climb up. Or the cheap talk, the river never dries up. Or a clean cut, short, he never rise up. Forge in the flame, but he was never fired up. No, old man, take a look at his life. Kneel, not so anymore. The potholes in your lore. The snot nose visions went in the lotto. Spinning from the baseline, fading away the shot. Whoa, shoot first, ask questions never. And he wonder why these things don't get no better. Two bottle minimums making his world spin again. He'll still drive home drunk, crushing like the enemy. Square, we're in here, it's less about fear. And more about the promises he cries to his fear. The system throws a book at him, the law of attraction. Following his why, his call to action. You know what? Maybe it's just me. It's time to man up. Man up. Let's go in. Come on. Now let's start with why once more. Why I let these demons walk right out my front door. Why does my glass house have an attic and Frank systematic? It's gigantic. There's a mammoth in the room. Panic. 25 letters, 25 years later. Why do I collect these white lighters? How can I survive? Why I stop giving a damn about these goddamn checks? Why 85 rides heavy on my chest? When four years ago I was scrounging for 10,000. Still a couple hundred hours from my 10,000. Word to Malcolm Gladwell, not X. I gotta write a 140 characters, not less. Pop trends, hashtag L O T O. Retweet that if your matrix needs an ego. Do the do's and don'ts, you gotta pay one of them. If you're still getting down, sorry, still dumbing them. Why is 100% a zero nothing? Cause even though we nothing, we keeps it 100. We all striving, trying to be the alpha of the ego. Two types of people, we all look towards the steeple. Chase to get around, word, get a witness. How I don't attract greatness, just hope the hell is stick around. Back to basics. Broken smile facelift, X mark the blind spot, rob generation. It was once said that with genius comes clarity. In the same breath, they said the dollar was a parody. The pendulum swings, polarity. Between chopping down the cherry tree and marching to be very free. Something there was lost, I thought that we prepared to be. New parents compared to where we were inherently. The bearers of the fruit of our labor, not the bearers of the bad news to a group of our neighbors. So get this. 
Listen, there's birds falling high from the sky. It's a lie that works. So Aubrey, now I'm really going home. Fireworks. You remember when they just started falling dead in the clouds down to earth? We're not those birds, y'all. We're not those birds. Dude, actually, uh, I just remembered one thing I wanted to talk about you is uh, that YTV gig you got oh, with... Yeah. Uh, is it Splat a lot? I believe Splat a lot. Yeah, this that show is. <laughs> as an adult looking at it, I'm like, that's fucking amazing. Yeah, because it's uh basically for people who don't know, it's like kind of like American Gladiators for kids. It's American Gladiators and Wipeout mixed for children. Yeah, in a medi- in a medieval setting. But that's at, the elevator. But at the same time, they hire adults like yourself. To beat the fuck out of these kids <laughs> in Heckle. <laughs> Actually, it was pretty funny. Like the, I think the the uh, first and only time I've watched it because I don't have cable at my house. I uh, I was just out like at a hotel with my girlfriend like two years ago or whatever. Yeah, and uh, I just see it on the fucking uh, the guide. Yeah, the guide. I'm like, oh, Eric's in this show. <laughs> I click on it right away. It's you, and there's this kid trying to like climb a mountain, <laughs> and you have like a fire hose or something, <laughs> and you're just spraying him, and you're like talking shit. And, I'm, and we're both looking at that. They're like, oh, that must be so therapeutic. It's oh yeah. Fucking <laughs> well, the story about that is, I went off to Vancouver. I went and attended the Vancouver Film School. Yeah. And um, and I knew quickly about the Vancouver Film School. I knew that I needed something. Like, I've been an actor, again, my entire life. But when I was about 20, 21, I go, well, let's put, let's put a piece of paper on this thing. You know, what am I going to do to say, you know, it's all bullshit anyways. It was basically a $50,000 piece of paper. But um, go to school and get some real certification. Like, this guy graduated from the Vancouver Film School. I graduated top of my class. And that's again not an ego thing. That's fucking mm-hmm. work. That's hustle. I, I, uh, the only reason I didn't get um, the top top of my class because I didn't show up to a class that I was told not going to be worth anything. Turns out it was worth like twenty percent of your mark, oh, and I got fuck. a zero in it, so it dropped me from like a ninety six to an eighty six. But anyways, I don't know how you grade acting, but that's what happened. So like, but the thing what it is is all these guys we were all graduating from film school. They're all like, so what are you going to do now? They're like, I don't know, I'll get a job in a restaurant. I might work with my dad for a bit. And like, like, what are you doing, Eric? I'm like, I'm going back to Toronto and I'm going to audition my ass off with this new, you know, credentials from the Vancouver Film School. Got my headshots done, updated my resume, fucked off, came right back to Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't know how I was going to get in these doors of these big agencies. Um, and I... I commissioned the help of a veteran Canadian actor. His name is Christian Potenza. It turns out now we're really good friends. I see him, you know, once a week. But he's an actor. He's been an actor in Toronto for years. He's done commercials and movies with Jackie Chan and stuff. He was the yellow toothbrush in the Listerine commercials. (laughs) The the guy who was the mouthwash and the toothbrush. But he's done, like, TV and he's a voice actor. He does 16 and total drama and all these kids' shows. So I sent him a message. I go, listen... I've come back to Toronto. Just graduated from the Vancouver Film School. Would love some advice, some help. Just give me, give me a a, a message. Just give me, tell me what my next step should be. And uh, he's like, "Hey, dude, uh, just in the car right now. Can you give me a call?" He sends me his number, so I call him and we talk for like three hours, just in the same vein of what we're talking like right now. Where yeah, I'm going, yeah. where I'm going. This is it. This I'm hustling. I've got to work for this. So we hung up at the three at the end of the three hour conversation. He goes. Listen, dude, I don't know you, 
uh, other than Facebook in this conversation, but I can tell you really want this and I'm going to do whatever it takes on my end to help you be successful. So I come back to Toronto. He walks me into the agencies of this, like major agencies around Toronto. He walks me into this place called Ambition Talent. Uh, and he goes just simply to the guy, you're going to sign this kid. He's great. So they signed me to Ambition Talent. Like three weeks later, I get an audition for this this new show. Well, actually, no, it was the second season of a show called Splat A Lot. And the description of the show or the character, I knew what the show was, but the character was like six foot five, CrossFit esque, like a agile gymnast type <laughs> character. And I read this and I go, you know, I'm a big guy, six one, I like like two hundred and thirty five pounds. I'm a big dude. I'm muscular, but I'm also like cheeseburgers. So I'm not CrossFit. <laughs> I'm not a CrossFit guy. Um so I call my agent. I go, well, I don't know if I should go to this. Like, I don't think I should. It doesn't describe me at all. You know, yeah. I, I'm going to be embarrassed in there. Why would I even show up? And my agent goes, I don't know. Just go. Yeah, so see I, what happens. So this is, this is another crazy thing I did. This, I, I, I live a life where the worst thing, you, worst thing you can hear is no. The worst thing that you can message someone or ask someone for help or reach out to someone. The worst thing they say is no. And then you're right back where you started anyway. So I reached out to Scott Yaffe. Scott Yaffe played Wink Yahoo in Uh Uh-Oh in the 90s. Oh, okay. Yeah, the dude with the hair. He was my my favorite show growing up, and I knew it was a YTV show. Yeah. So I messaged him out of nowhere and go, hey, Scott, my name's Eric Johnson. I'm an actor. Just moved back from Vancouver. Uh, Friends with Christian Potenza. Yeah. and I go, listen, I got this major audition tomorrow for this YTV show called Splat a Lot. And I just wanted to know if you can give me any advice on what to do. I'm like, I don't know if I'm right for the character or whatever. He just sends me a message. He goes, nice to meet you, Eric, whatever. Uh, glad you're a fan of Uh-Oh. Only thing I can say to you is you go in the room and you make it your own. You make the you make the role your own. So I go, okay, I'm all motivated. I'm pumped up. Nice. I show up the next day. I have the audition. And... Uh, and I walk in, and I see these guys in the waiting room, and they're exactly how it describes, like, six five, like, gorgeous dudes, cut, like, muscular, skinny, and I'm like, oh, fuck. And I, I see that they're looking at me, like, look at this idiot. Look at this fat idiot here. Yeah. Like, he's not going to get the role. <laughs> I walk in, and I just fucking throw it all on the line. I turn the character into this jersey shore like bro like yeah works out like yeah like is. works out but likes to nap like he thinks cardio is a myth like it's bad <laughs> for your joints just work out your so, arms so you jumped in there and you probably did something that they couldn't do which was be funny exactly so i was just like what's up bro what are you guys saying what are you saying in here you want to work out or have a nap i'll do both today <laughs> Uh, the casting director, the casting director was uh, Mike Yerksa, who was one of the guys on One Guy, One Girl, Five Gays. Uh, hilarious dude, super connected in the industry, and he's on this show, so I recognized him, and I acted like we were old friends. I'm like, "Hey, Mike, good to see you," because I knew his face and his name. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, "Hey, man," looks at my thing, Eric. Hi, Eric. How are you? Like, come, come on in. So these casting directors and these directors, and I didn't know that the main show's executive producer was in the room. He just didn't say anything. He just kind of waved when I came in. I made them laugh so hard that they rewrote the character <laughs> instead of this ger- instead of this CrossFit 
athletic gymnast dude. Now this character, whose name is Vane, is this like Jersey Shore lazy asshole. Yeah. And What's cool too? At the same time, you're you're kind of like this Viking gladiator. Exactly. <laughs> so, so I'm, it's a, like I'm a Jersey Shore guy in a medieval setting, which <laughs> yeah. is hilarious if you think about it. So they go, okay, you got the part. Like they just, it was that simple. You got the part. Oh, really? Like right there? They, all, they, they, they said it without saying it. Like they all kind of just looked at me and was like, wow. Like, thanks for coming in. This is great. You'll hear from us. Yeah. And I knew that I had the part before I even got home from Toronto. I drove back in traffic all the way back from Hamilton. By the time I got home, I got a call from my agent and said, you got the part. And it was so quick. Like, literally the next day I was in, ca- in costume design and stuff. The next day after that I was in a roundtable meeting. The next day after that I was in a set design meeting. And then the next day after that I was on the set in Orangeville. And they're like, you got this. You got the part. You're it. <laughs> so then we filmed for a month. We did 27 episodes over like 29 days. and I, That's pretty intense. Yeah, yeah. And it was just like every day show up and hustle. And again, like I don't – I like to sleep in. Like I like to get up at 11. Yeah. Like with, with this show, this is what I love to do so much. My alarm would go off at 6 and I'd be the one shutting it off at 5.59, like wide awake. Like yeah, let's just, fucking let's do, this. do this. I'm ready, yeah. motherfuckers. So, and I would drive to set and just kill it all day and just and, – and, and just again – out of love. It's out of love to do what I was doing. It wasn't there was no thoughts that this was gonna be a big T V show. This was this is some Y T V show. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna do my absolute best and hopefully it gets picked up. Next thing you know, I finish shooting, I get these emails. Splatalot's picked up in this country, Splatalot's picked up in this country, Splatalot's airing in this country, Australia, England, all over the UK, New Zealand, Malaysia, Thailand. Yeah. I'm getting these emails from my agent. Congratulations, congratulations. Your show is picked up here. It's seen in 170 countries worldwide. Holy shit. For this thing that I wasn't even right for. <laughs> Where you also I thought, thought, I'm not going to go to this. I, I don't I'm even want to go. Yeah. I don't even want to go to this fucking thing. Now it's around the world. And again, it's not going to make me famous. Like I, I wear a costume in the show. I wear a big fake beard and stuff. No one's recognized me. Actually, I got recognized in Mexico once. Some kid was like from, from the UK. Was like I was on vacation in Cancun. She's like, "Oh, excuse me, uh, are are you Vine?" <laughs> vine, uh, yeah. And I was like, "Yes, yeah, so I actually, am. Actually, I'm Vine, yeah. not, not Vine. <laughs> vine is a six-second video service, but yes, um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it was. It just. It's been so cool. But again, that's not. That's not enough. Like I'm, a lot of guys would be like, oh, I'm an international TV show. I'm gonna wrestle and on they'll that. ride it and, and they'll, they'll, they'll ride tell it. I mean, I have written I, it. I, I <laughs> post it and I share and I make these demo videos. Oh, and it's stuff cool about though. It. Like, like I put up something the other day of me chirping some kid. But you should be proud of it, and and it's pretty funny too. Yeah, and it was it's a great show, and yeah. yeah, and it was. It was just me, like these kids chirping. It was all improv too, which I love to do. It was like there was no script. That was what they would do. We'd have earpieces in. And they'd be like, "Our next contestant is Robbie. Robbie is twelve years old. He didn't want to come here today, but his Jewish mother signed him up for this." And you're like, "Yes, so I'm like, yes." <laughs> so he comes around, and I'm like, "Robert, you my favorite boy!" Like all this stuff, just <laughs> killing him while I'm like spraying him with a hose and shooting him with foam rubber balls and stuff and like I'm I'm aiming for the head like you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm trying to take these kids I out w- I was gonna ask like yeah. did you like uh, hold back at all or not? Nah? I, I actually felt bad I hurt a couple kids I didn't mean to obviously like yeah. sometimes because there was these big airsoft guns that they would shoot these foam rubber balls at but it wasn't like it wasn't pressurized so sometimes you would shoot it and it would like barely 
shoot out the end of the of the gun. But sometimes you would shoot it and it would fucking fly. Like I'm talking 100 kilometers an hour. <laughs> this like soaking wet foam rubber ball. Oh yeah, you can give somebody probably a concussion. It, well, well exactly. That, yeah. So I even got shot once with it and it almost gave me a concussion because it hit me right behind my ear, which is like a very tender yeah, spot. Yeah, it's just the soft area. So I like literally I saw SARS and I thought. So anyway, so this kid was coming around the moat and they were coming up one of these like ramps. And I just lined her up and I shot her and it hit her clean on the ear and oh. it perforated her eardrum. Oh my God. And she fell like 10 feet into water. She came up out of the water bawling. She couldn't hear. And I, I felt so bad. Yeah. Like, obviously, that's they probably called like cut. When, you, when yeah. you, like, break character. Yeah, like, like, I oh, called shit. cut. I put my gun down. <laughs> I, uh, I, I yeah. stopped pointing my gun yeah, at children. Yeah, I put my gun down. I ran over. And obviously, they had medical staff and stuff. But I'm, like, talking to her. I took my beard off. And I'm, like, I'm just, you know, I'm just a guy. Don't worry. Like, you're, it's okay. I'm not here to hurt you. Yeah. I hope you're okay. And I'm so sorry. And she ended up being okay. I think, you know, whatever. Yeah, like. She can't hear now, but she's all right. <laughs> But yeah, to them they got kind of got to take it as like any other sport, like football or whatever. You get it's yeah. like a physical. Type yeah, you yeah, just got to be careful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just can't get in my uh, my sights. Yeah, like yeah fucking laser say, don't scope. let me shoot you clean in the ear. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that was cool, man. And I, I hope maybe we get another season. Probably not. Canadian television is good for about two seasons on shows. Uh, hopefully, we get a third. If we get a third, I'd love to do it again. If not, it was a great experience and. Now I have a demo reel of me shooting kids for the rest of my yeah, life. So. And before uh, we just fucking pig out on some food, yeah. there was another thing I wanted to just ask and mention too, like which is really cool. And uh, just basically with your production company and your father being the old time wrestler, you kind of came into a unique situation with a couple shows you booked with Jake the Snake and Mick Foley because they kind of do like a half – stand-up spoken word type exactly thing. so yeah and you're like from every like point like in the, those <laughs> communities from wrestling yeah. to stand up and yeah. it makes sense and promotion that they, and yeah yeah it makes sense that they would go through you and that's got to be an awesome like it, little it, adventure it thing. feels awesome because like i uh I grew up obviously on wrestling. My dad was a wrestler, and I'm like, I had like the bushwhackers swimming in my backyard pool when I was a kid, you know, and <laughs> all these major wrestlers in my life. Like, you know, I, I met I met uh, the Big Show when he was the, called the Giant. The gi- I remember that shit. And I was like, four, there's actually a picture on my Instagram of him, and he's got his hand on my shoulder, and his hand is literally the size of my torso. <laughs> and a uh, huge guy, and I met all these wrestlers and stuff. Now, obviously, tragic that my dad passed away. He went the way of a lot of wrestlers. But a lot of these wrestlers now who realize I'm going to fucking die if I don't slow down and do something different other than painkillers and try to get stay relevant. What they're doing now is these spoken word tours. Jake the Snake's Untold Stories or Mick Foley Hardcore Legend. They go on the road and they still get that satisfaction of performing in front of large crowds, but they don't have to take any of the bumps. They don't have to, you know, put their bodies on the line. Um, so they want to book these shows. So when they come to Southern Ontario, they think, okay, who's a good promoter? Uh, okay, Eric Johnson. Who's a good comic? Okay, Eric Johnson. Who's Danny Bullock Johnson's son? Yeah. Eric Johnson. Okay. It, makes, it comes together. It makes perfect so, sense. Exactly. Yeah. So they want me to open for them. I run the show. I open. And... I'm a good comic. I, you know, I do well for them. And 
my dad was so respected in the wrestling community that these guys only want to work with me. They go, if this kid's doing it, we only want to work with him. Yeah. You know, um, Mick Foley says if he comes to Southern Ontario, he'll only book with me. That's amazing. Uh, Hamilton, London, St. Catharines, Niagara Falls, all that kind of stuff. He yeah, wants Mi- to go through me and let me open. And Mick said some amazing things about me being a comic. He's not. He's tried to do stand up, but he doesn't. He's more. He's Mick Foley. Like, yeah, he kind of Mick just... Foley doing dick jokes doesn't work, but Mick yeah. Foley telling road stories kills. Mm-hmm. Um, same with Jake the Snake. I did uh, with I actually co-produced with Ryan Denny out of Kingston. He booked the store tour, and then he came down to Hamilton. And I'm like, okay, well, let's do this one together. Let's do St. Catharines. You know, I'll be on the show in St. Catharines, and um, it's become so big that there's other comics. It was terrible. I found out about this, where other comics are trying to book these wrestlers who are coming probably. around. Well, no, not only they can't, but they some of them have been successful because they said that they were the ones. That ran the Mick Foley shows and the Jake the Snake shows, oh, okay. and then these guys all talk and they find out no, that was that was Eric Johnston. Oh, okay, then they get to me and they're like, "Well, so and so said he booked it." I'm like, "Bullshit, I did." I'm, yeah. di- I'm Bullwhip's son. I'm a comic and I'm the main promoter producer out here in Hamilton Stony Creek. You know, they go, oh, "Okay, we want to work with you." And then we have the show. It sells out. Everyone kills. Everyone does great. We're shaking hands. We're hugging. We're telling old stories and. It's just crazy for me that these guys who I, you know, were my idols growing up. On top of them, you know, my dad was my main, my main idol, but Jake the Snake and Mick yeah, Foley. Mick Foley was Mick, on. Mick, it was one of my heroes. Exactly, actually. he was on WrestleMania this Sunday to see him come out down the pipe and go, "Holy shit!" I was having dinner with that guy a couple weeks ago. Yeah, you know, now he's in a stadium. With now 100, he's in a hundred over a hundred thousand people in in Austin, and he was moving well. I was really proud of him. Like he could he could because last when I worked with him, like we had to go up a flight of stairs to get to where the stage area was, mm-hmm. and he was like concerned about it. Like, yeah. oh shit, stairs. Like, but now he's in the ring. He's wrestling. He pulled out Sako. Like everything. You know, it's. Yeah, it looks like he's, like, uh, actively, like, trying to keep moving as well. And maybe even these tourings are helping him, too. Exactly. he's not at home sitting around. He's not sitting around, you know, Because the type of work he used to do is fucking falling off cages. Yeah. And I used to watch, like, all the fucking old ECW. And Terry Funk's got, like, a flaming branding iron in his face. (laughs) And and at the time, I loved that. Which, uh, not to, like, derail from, like, your story right now. But, uh... I noticed I matured a lot because I watched WrestleMania this weekend, and it's like the first time in like a lot of years where was I was a kid and I'd see Shane McMahon on top of a cell about to jump. I'd be like, "Yeah, do it!" Yeah, I was I was at home watching it. I'm like, Shane, you don't have to do this. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, like that cage looks bigger than it used. It actually did and, look a lot yeah, bigger. And than I'm it just uses. like, and uh, I remember even when he used to do the jumps and stuff. There obviously be a mat i'm like there's just a fucking table yeah i'm like yeah. dude don't because yeah, and then you but that's also coming from seeing from like my ecw heroes like mick yeah and like you said not being concerned to walk up the stairs because yeah like, like these guys that, you see the back end of it you see people yeah. like mick and jake and stuff where these guys put their body on the line and 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 they paid for it and and it all goes back to my dad where he put his body on the line and he paid the ultimate sacrifice of death you mm-hmm. know and and obviously the alcohol didn't help but they like again i just can't it's tattooed in my memory that my that my doctor was like no he would have been fine if he was a regular guy but he was a road guy and he was a wrestler and his body went through hell that's why he died he yeah. didn't drink more than any other guy in his 40s and 50s and you know whatever 
and I find like you know, they're into or like they're putting in like more like safety now too. Like nobody absolutely. can take like there's no headshots yeah, head and, and stuff. like shit like yeah. that. We're back in the day. I used to like pop for something. Like yeah, that. yeah. Like remember Tommy Dreamer cuffing Raven to a cage and just beating him in the head with a piece <laughs> of steel. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and now I'll see like like an indie-ish league, like a Ring of Honor or whatever, yeah. and somebody will take a headshot because they don't have the WE rules. Yeah. And I'm just go, no, no. <laughs> or before, I'm just like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that is maturity, man. Don't yeah. do it. Like like literally when, when they're saying like, Shay, don't do it. Before, I'd be like, Shay, do it now. I'm like, Shay, don't do it. <laughs> yeah. That, that cage looked huge. Like they say 20 feet. It must have been like 34. Yeah, feet. it was like bigger than the other And you could like, tell the table he hit was foam. Like you could tell the oh, way okay. it broke. Okay, yeah, I didn't it, really see it. Yeah, though. it he bounced off of it, but still, even jumping into a pool that high, yeah, hurts. Or even on, I can't. You can't jump onto a mattress from thirty feet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like you just can't. And be like I'm okay. Yeah, but they do it and they sacrifice. I mean, hopefully yeah. Shane stops wrestling, and goes on a spoken word tour, and I can open for him. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, So here comes the money. Yeah, Eric. yeah. yeah. I, oh, I popped like huge for Shane. The Stone Cold came out too. I was I popped huge. I marked out like crazy. Yeah, it's dope. And he's uh he's cool too. Uh, he's making a living doing a podcast. Exactly. Now. Like, so he now he might turn that a week. In, yeah, he might turn that into a, a tour, and then maybe I can open for him. Yeah. So who for knows? Sure. Again, and that's just from the love of doing it. Yeah, so, yeah. If you learn anything about me today, it's that uh, what I do, I do when I do it comes from the heart, and I hope people see that. And if they don't, I hope that I can change their mind. You know, it it comes from hustle and love to do it and 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 just absolute passion and drive and not only that i'm breeding into it but it was bred into me um and i know that there's guys out there and see me working hard and again that's like anything like the more your name's out there the more it's going to get chirped like i can't even imagine what it's like to be a major celebrity to be someone like justin bieber oh yeah where he has these millions of fans you go on but twitter I'm, people are like i want to kill you exactly, and your family exactly like that's got to hurt yeah. doesn't matter how how you know big you are it's got to hurt and i hear shit about me you're Johnson did that or even in one of the bars I go to, it's like, Eric Johnson sucks cock, which is hilarious to write on a wall. <laughs> and actually worked out being beneficial to me because someone's like, I don't know who you... Some guy came up to me in the bar. He's like, hey, I was in some bar and said, Eric Johnson sucks cock, but Eric Johnson was written so well that I put your name into YouTube. I watched some of your videos. You're fucking hilarious, buddy. <laughs> yeah, it I'm wasn't like, that bad. Thanks. It's like that old saying, no man. publicity is yeah. bad publicity. Exactly. Right? And that's true, man. But, you know, it, it does. You know, it hurts sometimes when people... They don't know the struggle. And if I do well, if I get a certain show or do something more than anyone else, they go, oh, how come he gets that? You yeah, know, the it's the jealousy like, no. factor. Exactly. But I, I got it because I took it. I worked for it and I've been doing it since I was six. You know, this is not some overnight success. This is work and it's going to be a lot more work. But, you know. Who cares? Yeah, keep, okay. keep, do it, keep doing it, man. Fucking do another gin and tonic. Yeah, and yeah. Like, well, mine's empty, but inspires yeah. me, man. And yeah, thanks. I, you're fucking busy as. Uh, oh, I can't uh, even put it. <laughs> my brain's like going crazy. Or they all you the shit you're doing, but yeah, uh, but dude, like seriously, for taking. Thank you for taking the time to do this. It I loved it, awesome. man. It's one of the best and interviews I've ever done. Yeah, I can be the most honest. There's no pressure to be funny or anything. That a lot of comics, like I've done interviews, and the pressure is just to be over the top funny, and you put this kind of character on and stuff. But this is probably one of the most you know, raw and real interviews I've ever done. Just because I can see it in you that you can bring that out in people. But it also comes from, you know, safe place. We're in a small environment here. There's no big, 
nothing on the line. Like I'm not on serious or yeah, anything. Yeah, there's just, like, there's just me and you funny. in a room. There's no exactly. Other, like, there's no bullshit. There's no, running around. And... There's no people like taking pictures in the back and stuff. I could just be me, and I hope that this gets shared a lot and and people follow me uh, <laughs> <laughs> at yeah. at Eric Johnston Who and uh, com and. Uh, and yeah, that's it. Yeah, much Book love, me. man. And Book me. We'll we'll do this down the road too. Yeah, well, when does this air? Because I'll give you some tour dates if anyone's. Um. Yeah. Probably. This is probably going to come out like next Monday or Tuesday. So. Okay. So let's talk about. I got some shows coming up. Yeah. Yeah. Plug yourself, dude. Plug and plug and plug in. Um. So if this comes out on Monday, it would be the eleventh. Uh. So that's would be tonight. Tonight I'm at the <laughs> Alta. Oh, like, like following. Yeah. Like tonight. Yeah, oh, okay. Yeah. Well, whatever. So yeah. April the eleventh. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. If it comes out on the like, I'm at the Alt Dot at the Rivley. Then April fifteenth, I'm at One Twenty Diner and Vape on the Lake. Those are both well, One Twenty Diner is downtown Toronto. Vape on the Lake's in Etobicoke. April nineteenth, I'm uh, at Cameron House, uh, and then April nineteenth. Oh, sorry, April nineteenth, I'm yeah, also on Comedy time, Bar. Uh, April 23rd, I'm at Club Absinthe in Toronto. April 26th, I'm at Comedy in the Creek with K. Trevor Wilson. April 29th, Frank Spadone. I'm opening for him in Whitby at Premier Comedy. And, uh, yeah, May 11th, I'm uh, at Spirits in downtown Toronto. Fuck yeah, see him. So that's me. Come see, come to the show. I'd love to to let you see me love what I'm doing. Ghost Radio.